Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What's up, T-O-G-H fam out there listening on the podcast app of your choice out there in your car? That was a great intro, wasn't it? That was that was That was... That was a solid C minus on the intro, Brandon. Um, season finale. Yeah, finally. See, we're here. <laughs> you say it like my mic keeps falling. You say it like you're just you're just so ready for the season finale. No, I think I'm just ready to <clears throat> get things going um, on our part here pretty soon. Yeah, we've got a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes in a lot of different ways with a lot of different people but first you said you had to get something off your chest about last episode <laughs> no I didn't, so, I didn't say i had to get something on my chest well just um, i know you i know you you need some time so go ahead no, and just, you, you got a platform <clears throat> I, I listened to it and I'm, man when's the date what when is the date <laughs> what date the date you and clint get married oh my gosh oh my god i mean y'all so wait, wait, wait. are you birds, jealous man. no are you i'm jealous? just saying y'all love birds man you're, you're so creative <laughs> you're so this and that oh man nah, if, just, if you don't know what we're talking about the last episode episode nine i think it was of the podcast you couldn't be on, so Clint had to come on, yeah. and we talked about a lot of cool stuff, man. Yeah, we a lot bonded. Of cool stuff, yeah. Might make me throw up in my mouth. Oh my gosh, you're just being dramatic. <laughs> obviously, uh, you didn't listen to it close enough because we talked about you being over dramatic about everything. I know. Obviously, you did. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Yeah, Brandon. Brandon says this, and Brandon says that, and then he don't do this, and he don't do that. Oh, you did. You know what? I kind of forgot you were going to listen yeah, to I that. Heard that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's right. It's just, I was saying that because, you know, you're a very busy person. And sometimes you just sort of, like me, you sort of forget what you got going on sometimes. I'm just joking. <clears throat> it was a good no, podcast. No, good podcast. You're being serious. Huh? No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I still love you, Brandon. It's okay. <laughs> no, y'all uh, y'all had a good one. I this is still it. your um, podcast. Y'all talked about the kids a lot, which y'all didn't really... Get on family stuff. So we sort of, okay, we kind of rewrote the whole episode right there before at the end, or well, at the beginning, right before we went live, or right before we recorded it. And the main topic of the the podcast was supposed to be what we are doing now that we never thought we would do, but it sort of turned, like for me, being a coach, it sort of turned back into the whole kid component. Yeah. And we started, we just went down that rabbit trail. I just went to rambling. But speaking of football, uh, that's kind of what we're going to talk about today a little bit. Yeah. By the way, I love, I love Clint. Uh, uh, he just, <clears throat> his stuff is okay when he comes up with. Oh. It's all right. It's, Shots it's fired. 
It's not bad, but shots um, fired. Well, look, Clint, Clint gets at me because I, I, I complimented Jesse not too long ago, yeah. our strength and conditioning guy over yeah. here at the high school, and um, I was, I was complimenting Jesse on how, how well he does with the kids, and he finds a good balance. Yeah. Well, Clint told me, "Hey, how far could you be crammed up, uh, Jesse's? You know what? To uh, love what he does." So I will say look. the same thing to Clint. Okay, don't just... be crammed up too far. Up on what Nick does. Oh my gosh, time, okay? he is not. Huh? He is not. So anyway, no, I love Clint. You, you, you better. Yeah, because he's my he's my right hand man. Uh, <laughs> I would say uh, I brought Clint in the most of what we do. Oh, so uh, you're still firing those shots, dude. Uh, I, look, look, Clint, it's I just, still love uh, you. It's just who I am and how I feel about it. So um, yeah, but no, I'm just joking, man. I feel like some of that is grounded in no, a little bit of truth, not. though. It's okay. not. All right, Look, we just got to make a good show. Yeah. So I got to turn yeah. it on a little bit. Yeah. Football, man. You coach it. I coach it. I use that term very loosely, by the coach? way. Coach? Yeah. I, I guess you I, would call it that. I, yeah, I use that term very loosely when I yeah. say that. But what I sort of, when I was thinking about this episode, because we had originally thought about something else for this episode, but because of time and and what's going on in the world right now, we can't we can't do that episode so we sort of last minute shifted to this this idea and i i've been thinking about coaches a lot specifically football coaches because that's the sport that i've been involved the most with over the past 10 years and pretty much my entire life as well and i wanted to sort of like break down and kind of maybe give a behind-the-scenes, not really a behind-the-scenes, but sort of analyze coaching and football coaches in general. I was talking to our head football coach today. We had media day today with two of our players, and he and I rode together to media day, our head coach and I, and I sort of just kind of threw it out there because I'd been thinking on it. He's my sixth head coach I've ever worked for. And that's going back to high school. And that's going back to high school because in high school I worked for three different head football coaches. Yeah. In college I worked for one. And as a professional, well, again, I use that term loose, loosely. As a professional, air quotes, coach, air quotes, right. I've worked with two, underneath two head football coaches. And I feel like, again, coaches are a rare but interesting breed of people. And I feel like you also fit into this category because I've seen a lot of the traits that I'm about to describe to you of a football coach in you. I don't mean this, first off, I just want to go ahead and lay this out there. I don't mean any of this in a bad way. It's not der- It's not meant to be derogatory. It's not meant to criticize. Where are we going with Th- this? These are, <laughs> these are just character traits of football coaches especially head football coaches that I've seen consistently over the past 10 years. Yeah. They don't, they, they're one dimensional. They're one dimensional thinkers. And what I mean by one dimensional thinkers, not all the time, not yeah. on a consistent basis, but when it comes to football, whether it's at football practice, in a football meeting, at a football game, they think in a one dimensional manner. They can only think one way. And that's scheme. Or the tendency is usually scheme. 
you know, we had a staff meeting last night after practice, and for ninety percent of that staff meeting, we talked about scheme. Yeah. The other ten percent was left to various logistics and and the culture, kind of a, of the program, the state of the program in general. And I think that you know, a lot of coaches, a lot of assistant coaches, go out into the coaching field to be a head coach. A lot of them don't get into coaching going, yeah, I want to be an assistant coach for the rest of my career. Now, granted, that happens sometimes. I'm probably one of the exceptions to that rule. I don't ever want to be a head coach uh, because of what I'm about to describe to you. I don't think I really fit the criteria of a head football coach. But one-dimensional thinking is, you know, it's if you've ever seen a coach at football practice, specifically in team, they are it's tunnel vision i guess that's a better descriptor tunnel vision they've got tunnel vision it's all i'm going to do is focus on are my kids fundamentals right is the scheme right are they kicking out is the quarterback's footwork great is you know is the running back hitting the hole you know what's the handoff look like um are we getting the playoff or is the play being called correctly? That sort of thing, you know. And then you look at indie drills. A, he- a head coach is going from indie drill to indie drill if he's not coaching a-, a group, and he's looking at fundamentals. He's looking at, you know, is the assistant coach coaching that position group with the fundamentals that is going to be required that will need to be applied during team? Yeah, those kind of things. What he's not thinking about are, you know. The, not necessarily the culture, but the logistics of the program, the operations of the program. Hey, what do we need to have ready by the end of practice? What about film? What about you know making sure not we don't need to forget about spirit pack money, making sure we don't need to forget about handing out jerseys, and making sure we need to figure out uh, we need to contact our escort, we need to contact our bus drivers for the away games, those sort of things. The operations side of things, mm-hmm. they sort of they don't forget about it but they're consistently put on the back burner compared to scheme. And I think that's because, you know, in the minds of a lot of fans out there, and you tell me what you think about my analysis when I get done with this statement, but I think a lot of fans out there really, they only expect that of a coach. They expect a coach to focus only on scheme. They expect the coaching staff to not have to worry about the operations side of things. They don't really, because that's something that a lot of parents don't see. When parents come to watch practice or come to watch a football game or fans in general, they see scheme. They see that on the field. They don't see the culture. I guess they do, but they don't know they're seeing it, right? They see the operations, but they don't know they're seeing it. The only things, the only thing really that fans and parents know that they're seeing is scheme and so that's what they expect of their coach they don't expect all the other stuff and i think coaches know that and that's why they focus on scheme so much i don't know what do do you think i think a football coach just wants to be a football coach yeah plain and simple see i said i literally spent like five (laughs) minutes ten minutes saying all that and then you just summed it up perfectly in one sentence right but you're right yeah I, i think in every coach they whether it's basketball, baseball, <clears throat> every coach wants to be just a coach in whatever sport they're in. And, yeah, it, it's uh, like take our coach, for instance, Coach Shea Monroe. When he gets – what are we, about a month from 
season opening up. Not 20, even really now. 25 days, I couple, believe. Yeah, a couple, little days. bit over a couple of weeks or more. Today's the 28th, so 27 days. So all he's really wanting to focus on is football. He's wanting to focus on his kids getting being ready, prepared to go in on that Friday night and start playing. So, and all the other stuff he does, you know, especially what he does for us because I use, I run the youth part of it. Or I'll say I do. I mean, I, look, I'll have a lot of help, but I try to I try to steer it in the right direction as far as where we're going and um, uh, get a lot of help from from a lot of our community and uh, other coaches who are in our youth group too. But Shay has really helped us along in um, leadership at, at role of it, which is what, you know, what every program needs is a leadership um, factor in it, and to steer to steer your program in the right direction. And there's a lot that goes into that, and that's what he's 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 doing now. He's he's doing all the other stuff, but at some point, he wants to get to that to that role of where he's just coaching football and getting his kids ready. So, um, and that's coming. Do you think that parents only expect coaches to coach scheme and not worry about anything else? Uh, no, no. I, I, yeah, I, well, I would say this. You want a football coach who can kind of do it all. You know, they want to be a part of the community. They want to be here. You don't want them just coaching football. But that's what a coach does. But at the same time, um, you want the guy to come in and and be a part of your community and do the other little things that, that matter so much and come up to their kids and talk to the ones who are real young and um, just say hey to them or hey, you know, um, I saw you the other day playing your football game and I saw you at this camp, you know, and and that, that does a lot for the uh, – You know, I think ones. coaches get a bad rap sometimes because – and you're guilty of this – you're guilty of the whole tunnel vision effect. You know that, right? I'm guilty. You're yeah. guilty. I've I've seen you on the basketball. I've never really seen you coach football uh, like I have seen you coach basketball. And you, like all coaches, you get in a you get in this zone where you've got tunnel vision. And if I were to walk up, for instance, if I were to walk up to you in the middle of a basketball game that you were coaching. And look at you, and in a normal, even, calm tone of voice go, Brandon, you know, so-and-so's been in a car wreck. Fa- family, insert family member X, okay? It would probably take me one more time for me to tell you that. Because, and what I mean by that is, y'all, you're using 100% of your, or near 100% of your mind to focus on what's going on in that basketball court. Just like Monroe. Coach Monroe is using 100% of his mind to focus on what's going on the field because there's so much to watch for. Am I right? Uh, Kind of. I mean, if you were coming up to ask me that question or uh, tell me something like yeah. that. Not ask me a question, really, but tell me something along them lines. No, I would probably snap out of it pretty quick. And be okay, like, who are you let, talking about? No, let, if you come up to him and say, Brandon, I need a mop. Yes. Okay. Along some along them lines. Yes. And I would be like, probably not really. You wouldn't pay attention, right? Comprehend what are you, whatever exactly. you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. So the only reason I know that about what I said about the other thing is because I've done that to a coach before. I'm not going to say who. Yeah. 
and it took me five times of me saying it before he re- he he acknowledged me. Um, no, I don't get that deep. I mean, I I, I get pretty yeah, and I'm not flip. saying every coach gets an equal level of you know almost in a trance, right? Uh, but it is a it is a commonality I've observed amongst coaches where they get so. And, you know, if you ever – and, again, I don't know if you realize this or not, but if you ever walk in on coaches, ball coaches of whatever sport, talking scheme or talking ball, it's like this magical thing going on where they are talking about almost something that's sacred. Yeah. You know, and the fact that you can speak that same sacred language. You know, for me, with football, I can talk football scheme – not nearly as good as m- most co- coaches, but I can still understand it. Yeah, and speak it a little bit. It's like you're speaking. Of, speaking of Coach Monroe, he's calling me right now. He's calling you right uh, now. I get about. Well, I guess he didn't know three have or four any idea what you phone were doing. calls. I told him. No, oh, I told okay. him what I was doing. I get about three or four phone calls a day from him. Just yeah. you know. So he just I love really you, Shay. He just don't really care what you just said. So what you uh, told him at all? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. But the reason I say all this is I think, you know, you look at the college level. When I worked at Auburn, there was an entire department devoted to what I would consider to be that afterthought of football coaches, and that's operations. That's getting transportation together, getting food together, getting all of these other things together that usually slip the minds of coaches because they're more concerned. Not that they don't care about all that stuff, but they're more concerned with scheme. And that department is called the operations department. At Auburn Football, we had a director of football operations, an associate athletic director of football, and then several other different departments under them that would handle all day-to-day operations for the football coaches. So all they had to worry about was scheme. We even had a personnel department that that did attendance and and took care of players off campus and that sort of thing and made sure they were doing what they needed to. So all the coaches had to do was worry about scheme. That's all they had to worry about. Well, at high school, it's very different. You know, for instance... I walked up to, to Coach Monroe yesterday at practice and was like, hey, Coach, it's it's time to move on to the next. It's not, Actually, it's, it was during team, so I told him it's time to end practice. We had gone 15 minutes over because I had to come down to the school to handle some business with our principal and didn't get back up there in time. And so if I hadn't have been there to told him that practice should have been over with, he would have gone until the sun had gone down. Right. The sun was already starting to go down. Right. But again, it's because they get in that zone. And I don't really think a lot of people out there understand that zone. You get in that zone. Coach Monroe gets in that zone. Every Almost every coach out there gets in that zone, but it takes an entire team of people behind the scenes to make sure that that head coach works and accomplishes things on the operations side because if not, then everything would go to crap in a handbasket. Yeah, pretty much. And I, f- I feel like it's those it, it's those people that work incredibly hard, but also have the best position to enjoy the team. I mean, you look at 
the stuff that football coaches get to do. I mean, like you, you're a youth league football coach. You get to stand on the sideline and, and develop young men and watch them grow and win and represent the community. I mean, that's a pretty cool deal. Yeah, it is. And I and I'll be the first one to tell you, you know this. I'm not a football coach. I'm a coach who happens to coach football. So uh person I mean, I guess I'd be a basketball coach more than anything because that's my sport, but you play basketball. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's my genre, I guess you would say, uh, more than football. But I did play football in high school. I know enough to to keep to teach the kids uh, somewhat of it. Um, now, when you start talking about scheme and getting other things like Coach Monroe does, uh, yeah, I'm nowhere near on that level. But I know enough to teach the youth and fundamentals too. So. Um. Well, what makes a coach? What makes a good coach? You know, I've seen a lot of good coaches and I've seen a lot of bad coaches. I would sort of agree with you, your description of yourself. You're a coach that just happens to coach football. I'm a coach that just happens to coach football. And what I mean by coach is, and I guess I'm answering your question too, a coach is somebody that develops an individual both in a specific sport or situation, but also as a person. And I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. I think you've got to have one if you're going to do the other. You've got to have something to develop. If you want to develop a person or a, or a kid – there's got to be a vehicle to do that with, whether it's a sport, whether it's a subject, whether it's an art, whether it's a something. There has to be something for that kid to work at that you can use as a vehicle to teach them how to become a better person, how to become a productive member of society. Yeah. I feel like with us, it's sports. With me, it's football. With you, it's football, basketball, you know, and... Yeah, I mean, a coach is somebody that develops young people into mature, productive people. And I, the reason I consider myself a coach is because I like to think that I do that with my student-athletes and my students in my classroom as well. I, I want to make sure at the end of the day that they know right from wrong and that they know that I care about them and that they need to care about other people. You know, I, I feel like that's a coach. It is. Um, it's, it's, I think it's a, it's a type of character that, you know, you can teach them for many, many life lessons, what they'll learn from you. Uh, cause you've kind of experienced it yourself. Um, you know, you kind of can put yourself in their shoes You've already been there, so and they need that. And if they don't have that, um, if you're not teaching that to them through their high school career, I mean through through high school period, uh, I don't know, man. It's um, 
I think something that every high school needs is is that you know not every coach is like that to be to be honest with you, but you always have oh, that yeah. one or two uh, that you'll have to uh, to make a huge difference in their lives. So, um, and they'll remember that uh, whether it's you know ten, fifteen, twenty years down the line, they'll they'll definitely remember that looking back and uh, and probably be more grateful for that. Um, during that time on down the road. Um, but, yeah. So. I mean, just, do you think, you know, there's a show out there that sort of, because according to my definition of head coach, you know, they're, there are also, I guess, what you could consider, or well, what I would consider anti-coaches, you know, where they try to focus on winning and they try to focus on only winning. You know, obviously, the main goal of a coach is to win, but I also feel like that with that comes the development of, of the player. Yeah. Or the student or the pupil or whatever. But there are coaches out there that all they care about is winning. Even no if they have to it. sacrifice the student. Or the player, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen Last Chance U? I've seen, uh, yeah, I have. I've seen, like, uh, was it third? The third season where the, the where they go to Kansas. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's yeah. What did you think about that head coach? <sighs> Do you think he actually cared about his players? I think he did. That's just me, though. I think the one in season one and season two, I think he didn't care as much. But that's just me. I think the, the, do, do you think caring – how much do you have to care about your players? Do you have to care a lot? Do you have to care only a little bit? I mean that's – That's a tough one because you're, you're talking about – College, it depends on what level you're on. Because college has become such a business aspect. And it's almost treated like the pros. In a, oh, in trust a, me, yes, I would agree No with doubt that. about it. Yeah. So, and high school's getting that way too in some areas. You know, I'm not saying it all, but it's all, man, yes, it should be, it should be your players first that you care about. Um a lot of times it ain't that way. It's it's business first and players second. So you know what what sort of I guess the biggest argument against my definition of a coach is that there are a lot of successful coaches out there that you could say put winning first and put players second. Oh no, I'm not going to name names because I don't want to. I don't want to you know call anybody out. Uh, Saban. No, I'm just well, uh, you know, going back to what you said a minute ago about college kind of being like a business, it is. You look at the resources that a Clemson football or an Auburn football, a Georgia football, a, a Penn State, an Alabama, a Texas, a USC, a Washington can can wield to try to win. You know, you look at Clemson's facilities. 
You look at Alabama just built some new facilities. Like literally two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, they unveiled to the public and to the players. It's become sort of this formulaic, let me throw money at it so that I can recruit and get the best players and win. Not really... And, you know, there's a difference between developing an athlete and developing a person. There are a lot of schools out there, specifically when it comes to college, that develop players, that develop athletes. But does that mean that they're developing them as people? No. Not necessarily. I mean, I mean, look at Johnny Manziel. Yeah. Was, was he was he held accountable by his coaches? Was he developed as a person or as an athlete? And we, I don't really think we can be the judge of that. We don't know, but I still think it's an interesting question. Like, I don't want to judge him because I don't really know him that well, personally. I know what I've seen in the media, but, you know, it sort of kind of makes you think. The only reason I pick out Johnny Manziel is because I was reading an article today talking about some strip club that he owns or something like that him getting into some i don't know it was it was a weird i just yeah. looked at the headline i didn't read the i article, think a lot of times coaches have to tell have to tell the players uh the truth um and you can only as a coach only only do so much to tell them that yeah and then it's their responsibility to take it from there and do what do what they make of it um I mean, it just all depends on the on the player. I mean, take if you want to use Johnny Menzel, Johnny Menzel as an example, he probably had coaches in his career tell him the truth on certain things, but at the end of the day, it's got to be Johnny's responsibility on what he what he does with it. You know, the coach can't live their life for him. They can only lead just like him. they can't win the game for them, right? Exactly. They can only guide them and direct them and um, tell them the situations they've been in, and then that's basically it. But I feel like that's sort of controversial, though, because that's kind of saying that's kind of putting a lot of accountability on the on the player. You know, there's this old saying, at least among you know amongst high school football coaches that around here that you know. Players win games, coaches lose games. Yeah. And what that means is, you know, when you win a game, oh, it's all the players. It's their hard work. It's their determination, their success, their talent. But when you lose a game, nobody ever blames the players. Nobody ever talks about whether it's whether it's true or not, whether they're, you know, there's a lack of talent or there's a lack of leadership or there's a bad player mentality. You know, so where does that line sit between how much a coach can control and how mm-hmm. much that affects whether you win or not? Because, you know, I feel like if you were to ask some coaches in a private conversation, they're going to tell you that it's the it's the player that wins and loses the game. That the Like you said, the coach is just there to guide them. That they can't, you know... I've heard a lot of coaches say this over the years. We can't go out there and play that game for you. Yeah. <clears throat> is is there 
and you know parents i hate to bash parents but it's sort of true parents tend to sort of agree with that adage you know players win games coaches lose them do you think there's any truth to that i think that comes with the territory being a coach regardless of what but is that right is that is that is it good that fans and parents blame coaches for the loss, whether it's the coach's fault or not, and don't even consider players and their faults? I think it's come more prevalent because we're more of a me, 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 I, I, I society. My son, my son, my daughter, my daughter. Yes. Yeah. And so you see more of that as we continue on than you probably did in the past. I'm not saying it wasn't there. I'm just saying um, beforehand you probably didn't see it as much um, <clears throat> because it wasn't like that, you know, early on back then. Um, now I'm saying I'm talking maybe, you know, 30, 40-plus years ago, you know, but – uh no, it probably I mean it don't make it right no, but that's society society we live in, and the coaches nowadays, especially college, how much are they getting paid now? Ridiculous amounts. I think of money. the minimum at Auburn is three hundred grand a year, the minimum, and then the head coach makes seven. I mean, you got assistant coaches a make, making a million. Your coordinators easily, <clears throat> yeah, right. That's your what your other assistants anywhere between three hundred thousand to eight hundred thousand a year. Especially here in the South. Yeah. I'm not, you know, up north. That's a nice as, salary. Oh, no doubt about it. So the pressure and the territory comes with that. So, um, no, don't make it right, but it is what it is, and I think a lot of coaches understand it. Do you think let, – let's say you look at every single high school football game that's lost in America every year. What percentage of those games were lost because of player it, it, because it was the it was on the players, and what percentage of those games were lost because it was on the coaching staff? Now that's a hard question. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> know if you can really answer that a whole lot, but um, every town, every community, every place. For the most, um, they're all different. different. Different atmosphere, different. A lot of people don't care about uh, their football teams. Is what I'm trying. I guess what I'm trying to. I don't care if they win or lose. I mean, it's just they're there. They play, and you know, so be it. Um, but in the South, though, we care. We care. A lot of people care about the football part of it. And they care about the wins and losses, and your your, especially the wins, because if they don't come, even though, I think in a lot of, you know, scenarios you get a coach who is actually doing, um, that type of job that we're talking about. He's he's connecting with the players. He's at, he cares about what they're doing, uh, each and every day. Well, it may not show it on the field where the records. But then you hit him having a scenario where you got a coach in there. He don't really care about players all that much. He just wants – and the record shows that he wins more 
you know, and then a lot of, you know, so you get a lot of different scenarios and man, you just throw in and out of there. So, um, I don't know. You know, it's I, hard to, it's hard to say a lot of times. I, I've seen football teams where the talent or the mentality of the players has cost the team a game, a season, a championship. I've also seen it where the coaches have been, you know, whether it's a it's a play call or a personnel uh, change that have been the reason for a loss. You know, I, I feel like it's easier for fans and people to, in general, blame a coach because again, you see the scheme on the field. You see, oh, I would, I wouldn't have run that. Why did, why did, why did the, coach call the that? Leader. You know why? Exactly. Put in leader, why did coach role. call that? Why did coach call that play? Why do we run it instead of throw it? You know, why do we toss it instead of uh, instead of just handing it off? What? Why do we do X, Y, and Z? Why are we in a four-four? You know, I feel like it's much harder for people outside of the program to put their finger on a lack of talent or a lack of leadership player leadership or a a bad mentality a bad attitude whereas it's so much easier to put that on a on the scheme of the coach now is the attitude is the mentality does the coach bear some responsibility for that absolutely but but what do you do man when you've got the greatest coach on the planet earth but you just have no talent. How how do you balance that? I think if you're coming from the head coaches, um, part of it, if you have a coach like that, he don't. From for me. I feel like that uh, he don't care about that. What he cares about is, is his players and what he's got. He don't care about the talent level or whatever. Um, he He's there where he is now, and he cares about the situation he, he's in now, and then he just grows it from there. So you bring up a great point. Let's say you have the greatest – schematic coach on the planet who also wants to truly develop his players, but he has zero talent. You and I both know he's not going to be at that place, at most places like that, for very long, right? Because he's going to lose. You can't win without any talent. And if you don't win, you get fired. Or you get asked to resign. How... I'm trying to figure out a way to word this that that is simple and makes sense, but you know we say we want our players and our young people developed into yeah. better people, but then when as a community or as a fan base we pressure a coach that is a good person that truly develops our young people, when we pressure administration to fire that coach 
are we not sending the wrong signal? When that coach, like you just said, that coach is it's not going to matter to that coach. That coach is going to do whatever he has to to make it work to the best of his or her ability, whether it's for volleyball, baseball, softball, cross country, or football, or basketball. But at the end of the day, what gets you fired and what gets you hired? It's wins and losses. So how can we... As a, as a society, I guess, out of one corner of our mouth say, yeah, I want my kid developed into a better person. But then in that same token, yeah, if we don't win football games, we want the coach fired because it's the coach's fault. What if it's not the coach's fault? That's, that's ultimately what I'm getting at here, Brandon. What do you do when it's not the coach's fault? Uh, look, I, I, like I said, Times have changed, and that's what we're living in now. Same with me, same with you, okay? If my kid is in your class, and he's you're teaching history, right? Yes. And um, my kid makes a D or an F. But I feel like he's his potential is a lot better. I mean, he, I feel like he, he can do better in that, mm-hmm. but... But you're not quite giving him, you know, but you're not quite giving him what he needs. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. You know, if he if he makes a D and an F in there and I feel like he can do better, I feel like I I, I may go to you. Yeah. And because you're, you're the leader in that classroom. Yeah. And so, and I would come to you and I think you could um, possibly be in the same scenario where you feel like you don't have a lot of smart kids. Yeah. Okay. Let, <laughs> you know what let, I'm saying? Let, let's say this way. Let's put it this way. Let's say that. But you're still that, getting blamed for it. That Let's say that that teacher, me in this, in this metaphor, is staying three days a week after school for three hours. Which is sadly happening more than often anyway, by the way. So. Yes. Let's say that for three hours a day, for three days a week. I'm staying after school to tutor your son or your daughter or your kid, whoever, okay? Yeah. And I'm giving them extra resources, and we're sitting down, and we're going through the notes, and we're talking about it, and I'm explaining it, and I'm using the board, and I'm, we're, we're, I'm breaking it down step by step for, right. for this person, for this student. And they still make a D or an F. As a parent, what do you do? When you, when you know that I'm giving it everything I can as the teacher, and you're your son or daughter is still getting a D or an F. What do you do as a parent? Me as a parent, and that, it would be my child. That's how I look at it. I mean, my yeah. Child, he, yeah, what do you do to your child? Uh, you know, you can, you can do a lot of things. You can, you got to find a way to motivate them. Whatever that motivation is. I mean, um, for me, you know, I wouldn't, I dreaded school a lot of times. Did you really? Yeah. Um, But, you know, same way with my mom and dad. Most of my mom, she would ground me in certain ways. Yeah, I heard a story. Motivate me in certain ways to (laughs) to get me going. Yeah. So I think you got to find, that's what I would assume. But then, like I said, times have changed. And the blame has been put on a lot more on teacher, coach, whatever. More on that than their own kid. You know, there's no no blame 
on our kids a lot of times. And um, a lot of man, that's changed dramatically. Um, Do you feel like you were, you had a, a good amount of responsibility and you were held accountable as an adolescent, as somebody 14 and older? Do you feel like you... You were expected to do things certain ways by adults that were not your parents? Uh, I would say so, for the most part, yeah. Do you feel like that adolescents nowadays are held to that same standard? To a lesser or greater degree? No. To a lesser degree? Yeah. You know, I really do not want this to sound like um, I'm bashing kids. <laughs> uh, it's not It's not really the kids, if you think about it. Yeah, that's that was going to... Yeah, you're yeah. right. It's, it's, it's parents. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> it is, I mean, you well, know? look, it's nothing, you know... This generation, man, it's gotten a whole lot, you know, like I just said, it's me, me, I, I, uh, now, now, um, top generation. But you know what's amazing is that I've talked. Don't get on to my kid <laughs> or I will come after you. Yes. And. Yes. And do whatever, you know. It's just turning that way instead of teach my kid, please. As long as my kids, you know, I teach my kids to be respectful. Yeah. Whoever you know, yeah, who they're talking to, but um, hey, do your job, do what you got to do to get them get their attention, to get them moving in the right direction. It's not the other way around. Yeah, you know, you know, I. What's fascinating to me is I've talked to, to parents, not necessarily at at this school, but you know, just kind of out there in the world. And, you know, they'll they'll kind of reiterate the sentiment that, that we're sort of promoting here on the on this episode. And that's, you know, the kids need to be held accountable. It's the kids can be at fault, too. But then they'll turn around and when they're in that situation where their kid is being held accountable by another adult that's not the parent, then the parent freaks out. Yeah. So it's like, again, they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. Going back to what I was talking about earlier, as a society, you know, we want to, we want sports and we want these clubs and we want these extracurricular activities to develop our young people into better people, but we also want to win, you know, and we want to do whatever we have to to win. Same thing kind of with parents in this situation. Parents are easy or quick, excuse me, parents are quick to say what you just said. Parents are quick to say, I want my kid to be held accountable. I don't care, you know, as long as you don't cross any legal lines or any major lines, you know, you can hold my kid accountable. But the but the first time that their kid is actually held accountable, they freak out on that coach or on that teacher or on that sponsor or on that whomever, you know. Yeah. And I think that's interesting because that's straight-up hypocrisy. That's – and it's easy for me to say – you know, I'm sure there's there's some people out there going, "Oh, it's easy for you to say that you don't have any kids." Yes, it is, but I've seen both sides. You know, I've seen the side where the parent needed to say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Now, I, I don't think you're being fair, 
But I've also seen a parent go, you know, freak out when the coach or the teacher is doing their job. And at the end of the day, what does teaching your kids or what what does that teach your kid when you completely undermine another authority figure in their life simply for doing their job? Yeah. Look, look, I'll say this. I've I've been in that position before. What which one which um, one? Which well the position of all right, take this right here. Okay. Say I have a coach who I believe okay, he just absolutely don't know more than I do. Yeah. And I know that. Okay. Yeah. But he has volunteered his time to coach to coach, you know, say my kid or whoever. And there be a lot, and there was a lot of times where I've been in a scenario where, oh man, he just ain't doing what <laughs> I think he should be doing. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I'm also Nick Wilson. I'm also, I'm about as competitive as they come. I do not like to lose, and if I did, if I did not have Jesus Himself <laughs> in my life, you would totally see a different dude. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, because I don't like to lose. But you also have that, in my opinion, have to have humility. And if you don't, that's a big part of it in coaching. Yeah. And even though I may not disagree or may not agree with what that coach is doing at the particular time, he still volunteered his time to come out there and do teach the kids. And then I think at the end of the day, it's all about the heart. Where's your heart at? And and I think we have a lot of coaches out there who have great hearts. And that's what you need to see, in my opinion. It's not it's, it's the it's a character in the person who makes that. Yeah, they're not gonna get everything right. And and the coach is gonna make mistakes. And they're human. They're human. So I think as a parent you need to step back and see that sometimes. Um and that's, I get it. You know, you may have a parent who thinks they know a lot more than that coach does. Whatever. They're still out there, though. They're still, you know, I, don't get me started on youth. Yeah. Don't, don't get yeah, me started yeah. on youth. Uh, look, okay, look. we got a lot of youth parents out there who, <laughs> look, they're, you know, Jimmy's going to play NFL one day. Oh, my um, gosh, yes. Oh, he's going man. to the pros, so. Why isn't my kid getting any playing time? Uh, You know, why Why this? Why that? Why this? Why You want to make a coach mad? Ask him about playing time. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you know what? My, Woo! Hey, yeah. Uh, my, mother, my mom did that one time. Oh, no. Yeah, she asked, you know, no. a coach. And, and the coach, particular coach told told us that if he was ever asked that question from parents, that he would not answer. You know, period. Yeah. And she asked him one day. and About you? Yeah. Oh, no. And uh, he did not answer like he said he would. So, um, you know, that's it. I think that's one of the toughest things about, part about coaching is satisfying everybody, I guess, in, in a certain sense. But yeah. at the end of the day, you just got to do what you're, what you're felt in your heart that's right. And just and just do it with every ability that you've got, and regardless of 
what happened, who says what, and just and just keep your mind on what you're trying to accomplish. You know, I think it's truly an art because there is no singular right way and wrong way to coach. You know, there are a lot of coaches. You were talking about heart a minute ago. You've got to have coaches that have a good heart, and you've got to have coaches that have good intentions, and, you, and you've got to have coaches that love the kids and build relationships. And schematically, they may not be the best. Exactly. I'm, here, that's, that's how I would describe me. Yeah. I schematically am not the best. Probably the worst on our on our staff. Okay, <laughs> but no, <laughs> but and you know I talked about this a lot last podcast, so I'm not going to do it on this episode, but of the show. But I I do love our kids, yeah, and some of them know it. Some of them, you, you know, they don't. I got to do a better job at proving that to them. I got to do a better job at showing them, but I do. And I feel like those are the coaches that you want. And I'm not trying. I'm not. I don't mean to be arrogant or self-promoting in any way. But I do feel like if I were a parent, that's that's the kind of coach that I would want. Is I would want a coach who is going to be out there, you know, whether they're schematically brilliant or not. I at the end of the day, I want a coach that is going to teach my kid right from wrong and is going to develop my kid. Sadly, there are coaches out there that are schematically brilliant but have no moral guidance whatsoever. Right. They don't have a moral compass whatsoever. And I've been around a few of those coaches. And it's, and it's sad that they have such a major influence on these kids. And they're guiding these kids down or showing these kids different paths that will not be beneficial for them. Yeah, Those are the coaches that ruin it for everybody else. Those are the coaches that ruin it for all the other coaches. Those are the coaches that set up the reputation that coaches have in this country, especially in this part of the country. That's why coaches are, are viewed the way they are. You know, it's it's weird. Coaches, I feel like, are viewed in sort of a, a dichotomous manner. It's like, on the one hand, coaches are revered, right, and held up by a community. But on the other hand, they're also looked at like, you know, what do you do for a living? Oh, you coach. You coach? Wow, that's got to be hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I tell you, I don't know if you agree with this or not. I mean, see what you think about it. What do you think about statues of coaches? It's, when you think about it, it's weird, isn't it? It is weird. When you really think about it, I, immediately I'm thinking of the – coach of or the statue of excuse me the statue of Vince Dooley at Georgia and he's being held up by two of his players and the the reason I immediately think of that statue is because I work with somebody (laughs) whose uncle is one of those players yeah they were uh, players on that 1980 whatever national Georgia national championship team that Vince Dooley coached and when you really think about it, it's odd, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. what did that coach do that we thought enough of him or her to put up a statue yeah. for coaching a sport? This is for me. 
I would never want that. Like if I were to tell, hey, Brandon, we want to put a statue of you up in front of the high school. No. No. You'd say no? Most definitely. Why? Because it's not about me at all. Whether, whether you know, maybe, yeah, maybe I did put something together, but it's still not about, it's not, not about me at all. I mean, I just, that's just me. I wouldn't want a statue of, of well, me in anything, period. It's just. Uh, what about naming like stadiums and buildings and arenas and stuff? Like I mean, Bright Denny, I, I would Jordan not be Hare. like, if, if they did, okay, what you know, whatever. If they didn't. Whatever. Farmer Gymnasium. Yeah. Which, look, you're a lot closer to that than I am. Not Farmer Gymnasium. No, I'm not no. talking about that. I'm just talking about um, Wilson something here, well, no. here at the high school. Yeah. I, I've already said I've got a significant amount of money for me. Maybe not for other people, but for me, a significant <laughs> amount of money. If I were to die, to be yeah. ready to be donated. No, I don't. But, you know, I've <laughs> told people, like, you know, the 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 worst, I guess for the same reason, really, um... Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't really like anything to be named after me, because that's not why I did it in the first place. Yeah, I didn't do whatever you think that I did so well. I didn't do that to get a building named after me, to get a stadium named after me, I to get a statue. Okay. Yeah, the statue. Weird, like the but, statue of Barkley, Charles Barkley, in I front mean, of Auburn Arena. Do you think? Do you find that weird? That's a player, though. That's not a coach. Is it different or the same? Player, yeah, I think it's just, it's the same. You know. Um, that's just me. Yeah. That's just me. But I think if you had, like, if they did name something on the field or the stadium after you, and the kind of coaches I see who have, like I said, go back to – Humility, and they're like, "Look, if you do, that's fine. But if you don't, I'm still the same dude I was yesterday. Yeah, you know, it's the top thing. So nothing, nothing really changes. So, but I mean, that's you know, I don't know. I mean, coaching I find to be one of the most interesting professions in the world because it's sort of at the center of a lot of media attention it's highly stressful highly competitive uh, highly profitable when you when you sort of get into that top tier mm-hmm. but at the same time it's again looked at with this sort of oh you're a coach you know i think in people's minds you look at a college football assistant coach makes as much money as a doctor. In your mind, who would you rather meet in person? You'd probably rather meet the coach. Yeah. But who, just based on gut instinct, do you probably respect more? Think highly of. Probably the doctor. Right, because again, there's this connotation of coaches like, "Oh, you're just a coach." 
But, oh no, you're in charge of, you know, taking care of my kid and teaching him or her how to be a better person and how to win, how to be competitive. You know, I feel like coaching is just a world of opposites, dichotomies. And the way that society looks at and puts pressure on coaches is really interesting. It almost doesn't really seem sustainable. Yeah, I, I was. You know what the biggest? I, I think the biggest um, genre of coaches are, and that's your youth coaches. Yeah, that are most important, in my opinion. I agree because they can. You can. Man, because the the volunteer top coach yeah. spans so much, is so big, you couldn't even count, you know, if you wanted to, you know, how many um and I think I think the there's so much you could get out of a volunteer coach as far as I mean either either a good coach or maybe a bad coach at some point. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that's it's very important that um, especially from a, a, a kid's standpoint, where he wants to go and and as he's growing up, what you know, what does he want to be led into? Yeah, and um, that can make or break him, is what I'm trying to say. That kid, you you could you could possibly discourage the kid from playing a sport going forward, or you can make his world and, you know, play the sport that he loves. Yeah. Um, because I think a lot of times you got a lot of kids who are diamond, diamonds in the rough. Oh, gosh, yes. No doubt about it. Are, are you talking about kids that need the sport more than the sport needs them? I'm just talking about... Or kids that have a lot of potential but don't realize. Like... Yeah. So, so I feel like there are, there are two kids that that truly benefit from sports. You've got your kids that probably can't contribute much to the actual sport, the team, in terms of athletic ability, but they are great kids. They are great kids, and they need the team more than the team needs them. Yeah. But then you've got probably I think what the guys that you're talking about. You know, let's say a volleyball player who has, you know, so much potential. D1 college potential. But she doesn't know it. And what kind of, what are you going to do as the coach to develop that player? Yeah. Both as a person and an athlete to reach her potential. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, in, in, a, in a sense. Especially... Well, you can do it with any sport, I guess, but especially football because you have combinations of those. Yeah. And they're coming together, you know, top thing. And um, like you said, you could have one player who his athletic ability is not the greatest, but is his heart and his character yes. are better than anybody else's on the team. And so if you got that, a determination, but then you got another kid who – who's super athletic, but is filling himself out each and every year as he goes and getting better 
getting bigger, stronger, whatever. You know what I'm saying? He he may start out just a puny little kid yeah. at some point. You know, now I've seen that happen before. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. You know, but there's also these ca- interesting cases where I think you've got this kid where you know, you know, let's just say he's a, he's a senior on the football team, and bless his heart, he's just undersized, under under physically developed, but he's got the heart of a lion yeah. and he works harder than anybody and he's going to go for it and he's going to work and he's going to hit somebody at practice. But then you've got a starter over here who, who has D one potential, but he, he or she, they, they want to, you know, they're worried about other things yeah, and they don't think they have to put in the work to be successful. Mm-hmm. And you just want to shake them. What are you doing? I don't know about that, but uh, well, I get that way sometimes. Yeah, I don't do it. I don't like. I don't grab him and shake him and yell, "What are you doing?" But you know, you want to, and and you sort of want to do a Frankenstein sort of thing, Frankenstein's monster thing, where you take the drive yeah. and the determination of that one kid that doesn't have the physical ability and put it in the kid that does have the physical ability, so that you you just you want them to see their potential. Yeah, you know, you want to give that kid that doesn't have component x component x so that he can go do it whether it's the attitude or the physical ability so that they can go and achieve you just want the kids to do well man and it's so hard because sometimes they're their biggest enemy uh and a lot of times you have a late bloomer who who's got all them qualities and then it don't happen because it's kind of um you were that you were that kid i was that kid you were a late bloomer. I feel like I was. Anyway. I would say seeing you and <laughs> seeing pictures of you in high school and knowing what you look like now. Yeah. I mean, knowing what you look like at 25, I feel like you were a late bloomer. Oh, most definitely. You know, between the ages of 18 and 25, I feel like is really when you sort of reached full development physically. Oh, yeah. Based on your height and your face. Well, I grew and your two inches mass. after I graduated. Yeah. Yeah. I, I grew awesome. an inch and a half. I was a lot faster, a lot, yeah, everything put together as I, after I graduated. I should have had another year in high school, actually, to be honest with you. Yeah. I that know. stinks, man. I know. Because I had, I had guys who were senior, or who were, who I played with who were older than I was. Yeah. I mean, they were. When you were a senior. When I was a senior. But who were, who were grades below me, who were the same age as me. Yeah. Is what I'm trying to say, so. Yeah. You know, oh well. Well, you know, we're going to stop bashing kids and parents and coaches and, and, and myself, yeah. Um, uh, and we're going to make some recommendations to round up the season finale of season two of Talk or Go Home. So, what's your? Do you have a recommendation? Don't go to me. I'm going to no, go okay. right back to you. Okay. Well, I have my recommendation. My oh, recommendation you do? is okay. yeah, because uh, uh, I usually think about this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear what I said? Uh uh-uh, what'd you say? Oh, never mind. What'd you say? I did nothing. No, no you can't. No, okay. I, said, I said video. You got a video? No, movie? it's an album. A music album. Oh, okay. All right, I like this. God, it's not a video. Okay. So, I've been listening to, I don't know how you guys and gals out there like country music. If you don't, then just don't listen to what I'm about to say. But if you do, I highly recommend Brett Eldridge's new country album, oh, Sunday Drive. Goodness. What? No, I'm just joking. Oh, okay. Yeah, What's his Sunday name? Dr- What's his name? Brett Eldridge. Who's that? Country singer? He's his yeah, Brett Eldridge. That's okay. who he is. Okay. Uh, 
No, he's a he's a he's young, youngish. I don't know exactly how young, but he's he's sort of what I guess you would call that new country. Yeah. Uh, but there is a lot of. It's not too poppy. It's yeah. not like pop country, right? Uh, but it's not you know Merle Haggard either. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really good because there's a song on the album, the eponymous song "Sunday Drive," talks about that. Speaking of parents, that relationship that you have with your parents, uh-huh. and that how special that relationship is, or your guardians, or whoever raised right. you, and so. It's it's emotional. It's really good. It's touching. It's a it's the whole album's got great music. Well written. Highly recommend it. Okay. What you got? Uh, can I recommend an album too? Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, guys, if y'all haven't been able to tell, Brandon <laughs> comes into these episodes without having thought what his recommendation is mean, going to be. <laughs> I mean, Every right. time Clint called you out on it, by the way. I don't care what Clint says. <laughs> he can, he can, you know, whatever. He can go back to Clint Island. Uh-huh. Yeah, he can go back. To he can go back Island. to his home on Clint, Clint Island. Whatever he comes from. Um, <laughs> no, Chris Tomlin has come out with a country album. Don't know who Chris Tomlin is. Oh my gosh, Chris Tomlin. What in the world? Hey, is Chris Tomlin a country singer? No, Chris Tomlin is a Christian singer. Hey, is Chris Tomlin a, a Christian singer? Hey, Chris Tomlin has written <laughs> uh, hymns. That are in in uh, churches now. Really, we sing at church. Yeah. Really. So anyway, he has he has made a country album with Thomas Rhett. No way. Now, what you call it, Lady A? Is Lady, it Lady yeah, A? Lady Annabellum. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Lady A. Because no Annabellum. Yeah. 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 Uh, Annabellum. Brett Young. Guys, Annabellum is a is a word to describe a period of history. Uh, or a period, specifically a period of architectural history. Yeah. Just to clarify. Uh, Brett Young. Brett Young. Know that name. Uh, uh, is it Florida Georgia Line? Yes, Florida Georgia he's, Line. He's done some songs with Wow, him. so he's gotten some heavy hitters. So he's got a new, he's got, Wait yeah, he's got one that's come out. It's called Be the Moon. I think I know what album you're talking about. I think yeah. I've heard one or two songs off of this album. Yeah. So it's really good. I've listened to some of it already. Yeah, I think I've heard a couple from that album yeah actually Florida Georgia Line came to him and actually were want him to come sing at some of their uh, concerts and stuff yeah and so Chris started doing that and I don't know the guys what's the guy's name on Florida Georgia I Line don't, I don't you know, know either one okay. of them's name no. anyway they were, they were basically like hey Chris we want to do an album with you and he's like no you're joking and I'm like, no, no we're serious and so they set it all up together and everything so it's been pretty cool that's awesome yeah, he, that's really cool. He goes to these Florida and Georgia Line concerts, and he just breaks out "Amazing Grace" at the concert. That's cool. Everybody, so because that's that's a crowd that probably doesn't. Oh no! It's, he, yeah, he, he, hear he, that? Chris will tell you this. Yeah, it's, it's different. Yeah. So, yeah. but he said it's it's pretty cool at the same time. So that's awesome. Well, well, you know, just to just to make sure we get it taken care of, I don't know if we have yet or or not, but Mickey Farmer, we got to mention his name. Um, Who's that guy? That's your dad. Oh, yeah. So whatever. we, you know, he's been mentioned in every episode this season so far. So we got to do it again just yeah, to make sure I'm, we get it. Yeah. Um, next season, season three, is coming soon. Within, uh, it's going to be within the next couple of months, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I Bef- would say before yeah. December. 
We don't know exactly when because Brandon and I, along with Clint, we've got another project that we're sort of working on heavy right now that's taking up a lot of our time along with, you know, work. Yeah. So we're we're full force into this other project. We can't talk about it right now. Hopefully we will be able to talk about it by the time we come back for season three. But um, anyway, it's it's going to be pretty awesome, I think. So I'm, exci- I'm excited about it. Yeah. Um, I'm nervous. Yeah. Uh, season three. I think we got some pretty good episodes we've got already. Some, yeah, we've got ahead. about half of the season written already. Your okay. dad's going to be on one of the episodes. Yeah, that'll be interesting. That's going to be awesome. He might be on the first. He might be on season three premiere. We we'll yeah. finally get Mickey Farmer on here to yeah. to finally speak for himself after he's been talked about. You talking about so the, often. You talking about the uh, uh, what would you call him? I guess the dictionary of history. Yes. Of dates and dates and times. Yes. So Wikipedia. Would you say we? Oh yeah, I guess you would. A local Wikipedia anyway yeah. around here. Yeah. 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 Your dad's a true historian. He'll refuse that title, but he is. Yeah, I know. But yeah, we're going to have, uh, hopefully we'll have on a lot more guests in season three. Well, not hopefully. We will have on a lot more guests, diverse guests in season three. Probably some guests to talk bad about me, some guests to talk bad about Brandon, and some guests to just that are just going to come on and talk. That's it. So, but, uh, but yeah, man, look, here, here's what I don't want you guys to uh, forget. Okay, this is truly important. And before I continue with that, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you're listening to it. Uh, we're available on all, on all those platforms out there. Please do it. it. It would help us. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. We're there too. Uh, Talk or Go Home Podcast, T-O-G-A. But remember, Brandon, you can talk or go home. That, that was very anticlimactic. <laughs> Season two out.